terms of like just kids being dicks when you're young, as in people have put my like my mental health in a much worse situation than when I was raped. Welcome to the Adversity to Advantage podcast. I'm Petra Belzebor, and this is the place to discuss tips, tricks, and hacks to build your resilience through your worst rock bottoms and get you to a place of success. I'll be interviewing people from all walks of life, professionals, individuals who've been through their own adversity, and allow them to share their authentic and real life stories, opinions, and ideas about how to utilize our worst rock bottoms and allow them to catapult us into success. Welcome to the show. Welcome everyone to the Adversity to Advantage podcast. I'm very excited. All the way from Israel, we've got Sam Harris, who is podcast host to the Growth Mindset podcast, which I've been a guest on, I've been privileged to say. Uh, He's also a nomadic entrepreneur uh, and filled with ideas around growth mindset and has a bit of a story himself. Welcome to the show, Sam. Thank you, Petra. It's uh, very nice to be here. It's very nice to have you. So what are you doing out in Israel? What's going on out there? So I'm learning to code in a code school that mainly works with um, the Arabic population in uh, Israel, which is just kind of oppressed and they find it really difficult to get jobs. So they really help by having an international person out here to help them um, learn English at the same time. So I'm teaching and learning all at once, which is Ah. nice. Okay. And did you just go out there because you kind of wanted a different perspective or a different experience? Yeah. So you could obviously learn to code in London or anywhere in the world. Um, but Israel is somewhere I've never been and getting involved in the entire community is much more fascinating. And it's, it's also kind of beneficial to be out of the crazy um, mess that is somewhere like London. If you live there, I can constantly got stuff to do. Uh, so it's nice to sort of just work on code and have all my spare time to work on my podcast and go explore a new country and society and things. Sounds amazing. Just to disrupt your normal routine, to really get out of your comfort zone and develop your mind in some way. Yeah. Yeah. You can kind of, I love being in new places for a good amount of time to one, get into the culture, but also you can kind of redefine like your own routine and sort of rework yourself a little bit and grow on the things that you're struggling to do when you've got lots of stuff coming at you all the time. You can't really decide of how you want to be dealing with your diet or your exercise. You can just redo everything. And it's really hard not to be reactive. Yeah. Yeah. When, you, when it's surrounding you all the time. Now I know you're the host of the, the growth mindset podcast, which is doing really well and has had some amazing guests on it. What, what yeah. excited <laughs> you or brought you to that topic in the first place? Good question. Um, I guess I was just really fascinated by the ability to continually grow yourself. And like I was surprising myself by the amount of things that I did have fixed as someone who was an entrepreneur, who was, thought he was always pushing his boundaries, that I still had so many other limitations. I was like, I kind of started to become slightly aware of just how many things I was unaware of. It was like, this is a topic I've just got to dive into and see how many other things I'm being blind on and get to know those of experts and seem like a good way to get into it and just a really nice angle to talk to anyone about their lives and see how they've grown and learn from their mistakes. And yeah, so it's just, it's fascinating. I'm really into psychology. I studied at university and 
So okay, ends up okay, yeah. Missed. And so and so, uh, what is a growth mindset for for our listeners if they're not familiar? So it's kind of the belief that there's no like skill that you can't acquire. So if you think if you're told that you're bad at maths or something, you just assume that you're never going to be any good and just don't ever follow it. But actually, if you put time into it, you can learn to do anything. And so I was in. I've started doing stupid things where I'll just pick a skill for 10 minutes a day that is kind of hard. And then it actually, you can just start doing any skills. So I started like juggling, which, you know, you, know, you just pick up some juggling balls for like 30 seconds and then you go, oh, I'm really crap at this. And you just drop balls. But if you just make yourself do it for 10 minutes a day, sure, after a month like of just continuously dropping balls, you'll suddenly start being able to juggle. And you can kind of do that with any little skill that you want to in your life. But it's also for like much bigger things as well. If you go over to a bad at languages or something, you can get there if you just put some hard work into it. Yeah. So, and so challenge the argument that some people are just talented at something, but actually mm. you put your mind to something. Like I often talk about practicing courage. Some people say, oh, you're really brave to stand on stage and talk in front of hundreds of people. Or you're really brave to do a podcast. Or you're really brave to do all this stuff. And I'm like, I was the shyest kid imaginable. Um, bravery is, is a skill that you can develop. So the more you expose yourself to a new environment, the more in your comfort zone it becomes, right? Definitely. And, right? The more you can just do it. Yeah, yeah. And I guess I've, I've started to get this, when you've got a really good growth mindset, you sort of have more of an approach of when something's scary, that's almost a signal that you should go and do it. It's like yes. you get excited by the things that scare you because you know that you can not be scared by them and actually become good at something that you're currently crap at. You're like, Absolutely. oh, trying to do this is scary. I'll go and do it right now because it's going to be so awesome when it's no longer scary and it's good. And you kind of, you already know that you're going to break through it. So you're like, you just know that this is a transition period. Yes. And so it's just a sign that it's something you should do. Whereas if you're like, oh, doing stand-up comedy, that's scary. I'll never do it then it's just a permanent wall. Whereas when you realize that, okay, it's really scary, that means it's going to be really awesome when I've done two months of like being scared and shit on stage and then I'll be a stand-up comedian. Yeah, you already know that there's a light at the end of the tunnel and that it's going to so be awesome. So it's positive. You can imagine the achievement angle of it. Yeah. Like what it feels like at the end. Yeah, a friend of mine just asked me to go paragliding with them and I'm like, the fuck? I can't, what? That's terrifying, right? And they're like, no, but you'll learn and it'll be a day course and then you do it like this and uh, it terrifies me and I'm going, well, I have to say yes, obviously, because it's yeah, going to be exhilarating definitely. to fly and to put myself out there. Um, so yeah, it's terrifying. Yeah. Feel the fear and do it anyway, kind of, right? Exactly. And it's to be like a much more memorable thing to add to the collection of your life that will make it more diverse and interesting. Super interesting. That whole like deathbed thing, I think about that. When I'm on my deathbed, what do I want to look back on? Is it all the ways that I stayed safe? Or is it the ways that I put myself out there and like you walked across the Sea of Galilee as Sam the prophet, right? <laughs> Talking yeah. about the yeah. things that you do on your podcast. Um, that's a segue story. Give us a little bit of context to your history. Did you grow up in a family that promoted a growth mindset? Did you uh, feel like the, the kind of education system set you up for life in the real world? I would say yes and no. Like my parents were really good at making me self, like, um, uh, <laughs> what's the word? The person that does stuff for themselves, as in 
Like a lot of my friends, yeah, exactly. Self-reliant. Yeah. My friends would have like, they'd get given money if they got, did well on their tests and things. And like, I asked my parents once and they're like, mate, it's your life. <laughs> if, if you do well on these tests, then you'll earn money in the future. That's what you want. So do well on the tests. And I was like, crap. <laughs> but then I've always done well because of it's for myself rather than for extrinsic motivation. It's been intrinsic, which is great. But like I was really shy and bad at talking and they never pushed me on things like that. And like, there's a lot of things that they could have done more on. I feel now that I'm old and I've realized that I had all these issues that I've had to come through over the past few years. So I was like, eh, maybe they could have helped, but I don't know. No one is taught how to be a parent. You just sort of find yourself being one. So I don't really blame them at all. I'm pretty happy with the job they've done. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but to answer the question, other extreme of like pushy parents, right? Yeah. yeah parents they should just be like, go, I've put you in the city, make a living and sort yourself out. Find your way home in 24 hours. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah they were pretty good at letting me, as in, they helped me learn to drive so I could just go and drive and do all my stuff and get a job and do it myself. So it wouldn't have to take me anywhere because we lived in the countryside. So it was kind of hard. And sure. keep was, you independent. Yeah. yeah. You also have an entrepreneurial vibe, right? So, so you like discovering new things. You like testing yourself. You like business. You like learning, all these sorts of things. Do you think that grounding kind of helped you in dealing with uncertainty or being reliant on yourself? Because it's bloody stressful. Yes. Uh, so like when I was younger at school, I was like sort of entrepreneurial and sold like sweets and things to kids that couldn't be bothered to walk to the supermarket. Um, but then I think I never really realized that I was entrepreneurial and my dad was an entrepreneur, but I never even really knew until I became an entrepreneur later at university. But I think it was more when I went on my gap year that I got really into doing things that scare me and being self-reliant at a bigger level. Like I sort of, um, like I went to the Caribbean with a one-way ticket and after one week of like living with this guy I'd met on the internet, he started sort of abusing me. And so I ran away and then <laughs> and instead of what calling my mom and now? being what like, what do you mean? But like mentally abusing me more as in, doesn't matter what I did, he'd shout at me and make me feel shit kind of thing as in, if I did the thing that he said yesterday, that would be wrong and it should have been the other way around. Or if I did the thing that's the way around, it would have been the wrong. And you know, it's just like, you couldn't do it. And after like, it just got super intense and like, holy shit, was, it was really weird. Um, you ran away, you were like, I can't do this. Yeah, I mean, it just, I didn't see like a sensible way. Like, I didn't really want to like, have a proper fight about it. And he was trying to take money and things. And like, there's a lot of weird stuff that kind of hard to unpack with, like, without giving you like, a whole proper story about it. But he was away for two days. So I just left and yeah. Um, then I found a job working in a yacht boatyard for a few weeks cleaning boats and then managed to get a job on an awesome yacht sailing around the Caribbean having the time of my life being paid really well and being like wow because I'd spent like three months beforehand trying to earn money to pay for the rest of my gap year and I was being paid like twice as much to sail around the Caribbean having a better time than I could have ever paid for anyway because I was going around with rich people who are buying everything for me the whole time and was like why did I spend all this time trying to earn money? And just found that you can kind of 
make things good whenever you have like a bad situation. And then after that, like other bad things happened. So when I was in Paraguay, I got arrested for no reason. And but at the time, I genuinely thought I was about to be raped uh, by the, the guys. Like, so as they put us into prison, they were like hitting us and beating us and things and shouting for money and stuff. And they we haven't got any. <laughs> and then there's this fat guy that started undressing and like, out of me and my friend, I was definitely the small, cute one that he was looking at the whole time. <laughs> he was oh, going, <laughs> as opposed to my friend who was slightly fatter and tall and not so interesting. And I was like, uh, mate. It's not a good time to be small and cute. <laughs> yeah, but then ultimately they didn't have a reason to be arresting us and we got out and went to Brazil and everything was fine. And you're like, yeah, maybe life just isn't such a thing to be worried about. Even if I did get, well, I don't know. I've never been raped badly. This is another side story. I have actually been raped, but that's, <laughs> we can move on to that afterwards. But um, like, even if I had been, I think it's still like your life, I wouldn't have been killed and there's something to learn from that and you can still move forwards in your life. Or if I had been killed, then that would be the end, which is another thing. Was in, I, was all, I also thought I was going to die at a different point. And like, life wasn't that bad when I was about to die staring it in the face. And so when you reach sort of these limits, you're like, okay, I don't need to be so scared about all these things that I think I need to be scared about. And so I can do more scary things. And there's no point like trying to jump off cliffs or go into a fight with a bunch of guns or something, but you can just take on really scary situations and usually come up like better for it. That makes sense? Yeah, so you're saying that the, the, the trauma or the scary experiences that you go through, uh, you, you sort of realize because you've had them that they don't always turn out as bad as you're afraid of. Bearing in mind, those are quite bad. And let's, okay, people yes. are often scared of changing <laughs> jobs or leaving a relationship or divorce or like, like making a big decision in their life, right? And I, I want to translate this into the audience because people are terrified of these little inconsequential things that aren't about death or rape or murder or any of those sort yeah, of extreme yeah. things, right? And you're saying you're staring these absolutely terrifying things compared to, the, to sort of normal life in the face, but also yeah. realizing that you survive and that you don't fall apart and you actually, life goes on and, and you've learned something from those situations. So what the hell, mm -hmm. like live life to the full, is that what you're saying? Yeah, exactly. Never like the fall and don't be so afraid of failure. Then, like, what? So, another really nice thing that goes into this was on a recent podcast, I interviewed the founder of Grays. And twice they thought their business was about to fail and they had to really change what it was. Um, when they first started, they were delivering like fresh fruit. And then, like, there was a Royal Mail strike and they were like, shit, we're never going to be able to, things were going to go off in the post. And they're like, oh, generally, our business is going under. So, they had to change to like purely dried food and things. And then obviously their business is now a dried food business and sort healthy snacks and whoever would want to receive fresh fruit in the post. And so they became huge because of this thing that they thought was awful. And they're all there like our oh, business going under at the time. They couldn't see the catalyst for something better. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And equally they had a similar one with like the banking crisis because they were a much higher end thing initially. And they were like, all of our high-end customers aren't going to buy us. We had to change their price point and suddenly they're able to be a mass market thing. And now they're this huge mass market company. But at the time they're like, we've lost all our business. 
everything is over. And so you can't actually see the positive aspect that you're in when you think you're within a failure, but it's actually often making you stronger. Um, so if you can just hold on or trust that life just has its ebbs and flows or something, right? Exactly. Continue to learn and eventually something good may very well come from it. Yeah, yeah. So you, like I said, in where, you, where you can get excited by your fear, you can kind of get excited by your failure that it's making you stronger and that it's a path to something more awesome in the long run. So like bring it on. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but obviously don't try and fail at everything because then, yeah, you will never get anywhere. But don't be worried. But, but it's, when but it's a bit a of a, num- a numbers game, right? You're saying show yeah. up in as many ways. Uh, you know, you don't need to be, um, play with fire in a dangerous sense. Like not everyone needs to actually jump out of planes and shit like that, right? Um, mm. But we can show up in small ways and know that something's going to flow through. Yes, exactly. <laughs> okay, so you so you're talking about like the 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 Paraguay, the arrest, the almost rape, the like. Do you feel like you had some trauma from that though, or what did you learn from those early experiences? Yeah, I sort of learned that you're semi-ish invincible, but not completely. It's kind of like jumping, as in falling off a balcony on the eighth floor, hitting the floor, and be like, "Oh, I'm fine." And just walking off and you're like, <laughs> it's a new thought. Okay. I'm genuinely, everything is awful that you've been told in your life as in getting arrested for things. It's like, this, this is kind of the end result of as bad it can, as it can get. And then you're like, oh, actually everything is okay. And you sort of realize that you can be much more stoic about things. And if you start a business and it goes wrong and you go back home and live with your mom, that's what you were doing before university or whatever that's that's not a problem like why do you need to be scared about these things and yeah you just learn that there isn't so much in the world to be scared of that you thought which is essentially what developing a growth mindset is so knowing that you'll land on your feet or you'll learn something no matter what Mm -hmm. yeah so I, think so. <laughs> I think so. I think so. We're picking it apart. Um, so what yeah. happened next? You can't just drop in an, an actual rape and not like go there. Like what, what are these, yeah. what happened there? I don't, I don't really want to, cl- it's an actual rape, but like a kind of friendly rape. I don't know. It's not a bad rape at all. And I've had much worse experiences in my life than being raped, which is kind of bonkers in that, in the, Court of law, that's definitely the worst thing that's happened to me and I could like send someone away to prison. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, But you're saying it wasn't a violent experience. Yeah, in terms of like just kids being dicks when you're young, as in people have put my like my mental health in a much worse situation than when I was raped. But to unpack what happened when I was raped, I um was on holiday with some friends and I had a bit of a headache and went to bed early. And one of the girls kind of fancied me who I got along with perfectly well, but she got kind of drunk and then she woke me up to kind of try and have sex with me. I was like, oh, that's a bit surprising. I, no, it's fine. I'll just stay being asleep. And then she was kind of, oh, no, son, let's do it. And then she started doing things to me. I was like, oh, I, I actually was serious when I said I wanted to go to sleep. I didn't really want to, okay, you're kind of just going for it. And then she kind of started having sex with me. And I was kind of like a bit tired, but I was like, can you please stop? 
Mm. And then she did, and, and then like a few minutes later, she did, and then that was that. And next morning, it was be like, oh well, whatever. It was, it it wasn't even that embarrassing or weird. As in, it was like maybe slightly embarrassing for her, but not really a problem. Um, but and it's I think I could have, I could have caused a big fuss and been like throwing her off and be like, guys, she's raping me. But like, I didn't really feel like ruining the holiday for everyone, and it didn't really ruin anything for me. <laughs> apart from like half an hour of sleep. But do you feel that there's, there, there's a difference from, from a male position as well? Yeah, I think a male it's, crying it's rape bad. just sounds different? Yeah, it sounds a bit weird. Differently? Yeah, definitely. Um, it's, just, it's just an odd place, really. Because I guess, as in, if I'd done the same thing to her, like, mm-hmm. could have been really awful in terms of, or if I had been a girl and she had been a guy. But then I don't know if, if it had still been done, as in she wasn't crazy pushy or abusive or anything, and it wasn't such a problem. It didn't like mess with me mentally or anything. Whereas like, um, I was slightly sexually abused when I was younger and I worked as a lifeguard by a girl that kind of cornered me a few times and sort of felt me up. She was like my boss. And then... One time I was sitting on the lifeguard chair and she got up in between my legs and started like handling my testicles whilst I was trying to get off the lifeguard chair because she was coming on shift. And I was just like, what the hell do I do? Kind of worried to jump because she was grabbing onto my testicles and <laughs> it was really odd. And then eventually I just had to be like, I just totally don't want to do anything with you. And then she was just like, she was, after then she'd been kind of nice apart from just really pushy and like weird. But then after that, she then, she just went into like, crazy bitch mode and like she was just a she was like a compulsive liar and I knew that if I tried to sort of report her or something that she would just be like showing up in tears telling stories about how I'd raped her or something and that I'd probably end up in jail even though she was the one doing all the bad things so I couldn't I just didn't see any value in trying to do something and it would make it worse so all I could do was do whatever she said as my boss. And so she just started treating me like shit and making my life awful. And so that was quite bad compared to being raped. But Yeah, no, I see what you mean. And there's like a string of things, aren't there? And of course, as a, mm. as a female who's experienced rape as well, I can understand like from society's perspective that when you're the victim in something it's really hard to then bring it up to if there's a person in power right yeah. who's involved in in abusing you in in some way and it it can just be kind of confusing and and kind of fuck up confidence or uh yeah. one's own sexuality around permission or i don't know like what was the what was the impact of all those little things maybe on you yeah, that's a good point some of these things I guess I haven't unpacked so much because it was definitely when I was I think I was 17 so I was first like developing kind of sexuality kind of things and stuff and did maybe make me a bit less concerned about trying to have sex with people Um, yeah interesting but I think kind of how I learned to deal with her was that she was just didn't matter what I ever said she'd find a way to make me feel shit and so I kind of started lying to her about everything. And then it kind of became kind of funny because of she just trying to invent ways to make whatever I told her about my life sound really shit. But then 
obviously because I knew she was just making it up about random stuff, it made her look pathetic in my eyes. And that, <laughs> so I felt kind of suddenly stronger because she was just clearly just inventing things rather than her talking about me and making me feel shit. It was her talking about something hypothetical and just being like a stupid bitch trying to make someone feel shit. And so it just became obvious what she was doing when I was lying to her. So that was like kind of my defense strategy, even though I still had to go and do like annoying things around work, but I had more things to be concerned about. So I could kind of could accept those stuff and didn't take it so personally in that sense. Sure. But in terms of how it affected the rest of my life, I kind of compartmentalized it a bit, I guess, and shut it off. And it's really like very distinct memories from my time at college and going out and having lots of fun and parties. And then my time as a lifeguard, are like they're in completely different places in my memory, even though they happened at the same time. Um, so yeah, I, I really don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I'm, yeah, and I'm curious if you if the habit of lying carried on. Do you know what I mean? Because sometimes we can create habits in, as a defense mechanism to keep us safe or, or survive or whatever, and then go, ooh, actually, uh, I find I now have a habit of lying to people. You know, did that show up for you? Yeah. So I think I learned that I could make stuff up, but. It was quite, like I said, it was so isolated. I could, it was really just more, so I think if I need to lie to protect myself, yes, but I don't really lie to talk about other just normal things as like a compulsively just try and tell someone a different story about myself. Like sometimes if I'm really bored, if I've had the same conversation with a bunch of people when I'm traveling, I'll just make up some random shit to see what, people say what falls, well, I did that for a bit but now I've got like so much interesting stuff to talk about I'll just tell them something different each time I meet a new person to see what they feel like talking about make anything up anymore. yeah yeah and I so how was your what how was your mental health affected at all through all of these experiences yes I think so like I definitely did get kind of down especially in the first few weeks after like the girl at the lifeguard place had sort of abused me and stuff, I was super worried about whether like, you know, it was kind of a bit of like the like prisoner's dilemma theory or something like, do I go first before she like tries to report that I've raped her or do I sort of say nothing and hope that she says nothing? Or like it was a but bit it was anxiety like, provoking. So, yeah, that was a huge anxiety provoking. And then as she started to just be really horrible and bitchy, as and I kind of realised that, but then I didn't know what to do about her and how I could like handle keeping my job and actually having money and being in this weird situation. And was yeah, I was really down for a few weeks and kind of concerned about life and yeah had some weird moments of what the hell do I do and yeah it was initially like quite hard you know when you're depressed you're, you think very more short term you can't really see into the longer term I was very sort of just fixated on like I don't know what's going to happen next and just yeah scared but then yeah after a few weeks when I started just lying to her and things and it suddenly started being okay but I Certainly wouldn't advise that as a strategy if you have a problem, just lie to the people that are causing you problems. It's very 
specific to each problem that you're dealing with. Um, it is, for sure. But in, in hindsight, would you have done anything differently with the knowledge that you had? Like you didn't have much knowledge in how to cope with it, but would you, could you have done anything? I think... And then she's like a purely as evil person, pretty much. Like I could have, there was enough people at work that I would have believed me if I'd sort of gone to them first and like explained things that they would have backed me up to then report her and not have had an issue with the police and things. But then there was also, I guess, the factor of then I'd have to deal with lots of things in terms of going to prison sort of all this other stuff out when I'm trying to be like a person going to college and, and that stuff. So it would have, either way, it's sort of like, it was a massive damaging to your life. And yeah. I, I think maybe in hindsight, I would have liked to have been stronger and tried that because I, I've no idea about the rest of her personal life. If she's done other bad things, it's, it's really hard to know. Like, I really hope she hasn't. Sure, sure. I think since then she got a girlfriend that I think she stayed with for a few years. So I think they were okay, but I've, I've never heard of her since then. But it's, yeah, so I, maybe she kind of learned a bit from the situation that she shouldn't do those things. I, like it's really hard to know. So try not to judge people too much on their actions. And it's often a result of their own problems coming through. So I prefer to give people chances, but I don't know how I could have done that better with her. Um, that is showing ask. a lot of growth and empathy, though, even if it's with hindsight to to notice that, she may have a story and something going on outside mm. that has affected how, not, not that people, there's, you know, certain things that may be right or wrong and that she shouldn't have done certain things, but um, equally often it's people's psychology, right? And their history yeah. and abuse and whatever they've gone through that then puts them in that position or they hate themselves and then they take it out on other people, right? Yeah, definitely. As in, it's just, sure, everyone has genes of, but I kind of, pretty much just describes what you're going to look like and how your muscles work and what your metabolism's like. It doesn't describe your mind. It's, it's purely your environment that actually sets up how you think and your actions that you do. And so it's a result of someone's history is how they're behaving and what they're doing. So if they got taught to be a certain way, that's not necessarily their fault and they can be taught to think a better way. And so you shouldn't judge people and what they're doing beyond judging how you should make them think better if they're thinking wrong in that sense. You shouldn't blame them so much. Yeah. Um, and I'm trans, I'm trying to translate that into like my recent podcast about, um, forgiveness and moving on where I talk about, uh, having a long conversation with my mom after my cult upbringing and trying to square up, you know, and practice full empathy for her side of the story. And, you, you know, you're talking about, um, I, I imagine people are saying, yeah, but there's much worse situations such as mm. consistent. Yeah, yeah, crazy stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that could really give you post-traumatic stress disorder or affect you in a really big way. And, but I think you're still right. The impact of that is much worse and the consequences for that person may be much worse. They may go to prison or whatever that, you know, that sort of court what legal system does. Um, but equally there is still a, they have a story. And listening to my mom's story, I was like, I realized finally that she was a victim too. 
you know, mm. and that she was in an environment where she did the one next right thing that she thought she should do, that she really thought she was doing her best in her, her capacity for growth, right? Um, yeah, yeah. And yet it had these consequences. So there's like a deep conversation uh, and maybe not all for this podcast, but around that, like how do we view people if we have been traumatized in a big way? Definitely how do we isn't. Them, right? Yeah, it's just people thinking wrong. They're trying to, they're always trying to take the most logical solution for what they think is the best life because that's what, how your brain works, but they just don't know what the logical solution is and they've been taught the wrong thing essentially. And it's hard to, when you sort of can really realize that it's hard to blame someone so much, but there's still crazy bad things that people have done that maybe, yeah, I bet they should be blamed for. It's confusing. As in nothing's black and white, as in you can't say everyone is forgivable ever, ever. No, but what is forgiveness anyway? Like it, the word mm. kind of gives me the heebie-jeebies because it's quite Christian-oriented and um, it's just, I, I think forgiveness or healing or whatever that process is, is about us. It's not about the yeah. other person. It's about releasing trauma from our own body. It's about processing it. It's about working through it, finding meaning, developing our own growth mindset, all of those things rather than our responsibility to absolve the other person of their actions, they've got to take responsibility for their own self-growth yeah. and development. So do you cover this a lot as a mental health consultant, as in helping people forgive others that have done really horrible things to them? I, this is really recent because of my own learning, my own growth. Like I, I would have to say that I've developed myself for 10 years and still held on to this little corner of bitterness in my heart, which would pop up in weird emotional ways or, you know, um, because I was still angry. I was still angry mm. that my parents didn't send us to school and that I had to spend my life, even though I could see the good in it and I could be like, yes, winning, resilient, all this stuff. And I'm like, for fuck's yeah. sake, well, I could have done, been doing twice as much had I had that formal education growing up or, had, you know, um, and so it's a recent thing. And then interestingly, I did this podcast and then, um, uh, somebody's asked me to do a talk on it. And I, I mentioned it in a Q&A at a big corporate talk. And the amount of people that came up to me afterwards that were going, I haven't spoken to my mom in years. I haven't spoken to my dad. My brother died and my mom's and my relationship fell apart. How do I approach it? And I was like, fuck, there is something, there's a need out there for people to, to learn or, or think about their own growth in relation mm to the, this type of conversation or not conversation, healing for themselves. So it's new and interesting. Yeah, definitely. It's, there's so much more development you can have when you stop holding on to anger. And like, it's another one of like those walls that just stops you from growing as a person that, sort of immediately. That. And I think me reducing, taking down that wall has brought greater connection and opportunity for learning and sharing learning. That's the, mm. the interesting thing about it. Um, now, we often talk about rock bottom moments or moments where people just feel like I can't go on or fuck, this is it, or, um, the, you know, might develop numbing mechanisms. For me, it was alcohol. For other people, it could be so many things. Do you connect with the idea of a rock bottom at all? What was your low, low point? Or was there one? Yeah, I've had a few like low, low points. Hard to think of one that's like perfectly accurate. Um, 
But yeah, so, I mean, like the first time you fall in love at an age where you're sort of old enough to fall in love, but perhaps it's not quite love. I don't know when you're like sort of 15, 16. And then like, um, I ended up going out with a girl who'd been one of my best friend's girlfriends like a few years beforehand. It turns out they still had like some history. Anyway, he was really cool and maybe slightly more cool than I was at the time. And he somehow managed to turn everyone else in the whole year like against me. So I became like a bit of a loser, but I was still going out with the girl who I really loved. And then after a month, she then dumped me. And so one, I was distraught about her. And two, I'd lost all of my friends at the same time. And I was just like, crap, I didn't know what to do with my life. And like, I just, yeah, I definitely cried a lot for like a few days and just couldn't picture life being happy and things. And then, did I don't anyone know. know? Did parents know? Or did anyone find out? Or did you keep that yeah. as like a hidden secret? Like, I guess I didn't really tell my parents. It's a good point. Um, yeah, I definitely kept that more to myself. But then I sort of, I went back out with her again for like a week and then broke up. But then the second time, I was just like, I haven't got time to be depressed about this. I mean, what? <laughs> I was fine before I went out with her. And I was single and now I'm also single. Why, why, why is, where is all this sadness coming from? Like, what's going on? Okay. My friends apparently are dicks. I could have known that already. So now I know that. So that's probably a good thing that I don't need to rely on these people. And I guess there's more people in the world. And so actually the second time I was able to be positive about it. But the first time it was like, all I could see was the bad parts. Um, but yeah, that was, that was a really depressing low moment. Yeah, but but it sounds like a really powerful foundation learning about growth, which is the world doesn't end. And and you have some kind of choice or control over how you feel. Yeah, and to not be so um, concerned with what you have because of it's just like something new that you didn't have before anyway. So there's no need to worry about losing something or whether it's money or like titles and stuff for girls because you didn't have that before. So why are you so bothered if you lose like some land or like a business goes wrong and you've lost money? And like, like Marcus Aurelius talks about it in his book Meditations where like people get super concerned about back when in the Romans of people taking like a tiny amount of land or like a bit of their money or something. And yet they'll let people take like days of their time off them. And time is the only thing you have that is sort of finite and that you're going to run out of and it's the most important thing and yet you waste lots of your time getting angry about stuff that doesn't even matter that you're going to lose anyway when you die and doesn't really make that much difference to your life as you have it and so you can become a lot more stoic about these things and like sure you want to value your relationships and be good whilst you're in them but you don't want to let it define you and end your world if you lose them essentially is where I'm going with that and so I kind of learned. I mean, it's a, it's a thread. It's a powerful lesson that seems to be going through all of these little incidents that have um, occurred for you. Um, anything else that came up for you? In terms of really low moments? Yeah, in terms of your low moments. Yeah, so I guess in my second year of university, I started running a business. Oh, I started running it in the first year. Um, so I was doing quite well. And I had some spare time and I was getting super into the environment and trying to change the world and things. So I started this environmental logistics business that was kind of like Deliveroo, and, but also did a lot of other deliveries around the city using bicycles and supplying jobs and reducing out of vans and stuff. And so that was really cool um, to be able to build a business as a 
first year. This was like eight, nine years ago before Deliveroo existed or Uber or anything like this. And um, yeah, so there's no app. So I did this all like manually. So I was taking all the calls, running a logistics business as like the program that was doing it. There was no like sort of systems for doing things. It was me. Yeah, and yeah. so I was trying to do my degree at the same time and it all got very overwhelming in the second year where I still was, I wasn't making lots of money, but I was making enough, but then I was trying to do my degree, but kind of failing because I was doing so much other stuff, but then I wasn't really doing the business properly either because it was getting too much as well for me. And I'd started doing like a second side business with another guy that was purely like delivery stuff. And that was growing so fast and it was just becoming too much. And like, I just didn't know how to do everything. It just seemed like I was going to fail at everything all at once. And um, that was kind of, I just didn't know what to do or who to turn to because I didn't really have a business partner as such in like my main business. And I hadn't done it with any friends and things. And all my friends on my course were just like, what the hell, who is this guy? And I, I kind of lost most of my social contacts even because I was just spending so much time working. And even like my friends that I was in a flat with that year, I spent more time with them before that year and after that year, even though I've never been living with them other than the year I was living with them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was just so busy. And like, I just didn't really have any time to even talk to people about what was going on. So I felt really lonely and I just didn't know how to deal with my problem and didn't have like a coach or anything set up around me. So yeah, that was a really low moment in terms of just feeling like everything was going to go wrong. And did, it, did it all go wrong? Um, so I ended up withdrawing from the Deliveroo style part of the business that was kind of exploding, which if you maybe want to look back at it, perhaps that was the worst thing I could have done because then Deliveroo appeared a few years later and it's like a billion dollar company. So perhaps if I just quit everything else and gone with that, then I would be a billionaire right now. But instead I quit that and carried on with the other things. And then they became more manageable. And I scraped through my second year of degree just about passing it. And then in the summer, I kind of sort of gave up on the business and just went to Ibiza and hated Ibiza and left after two days. I went to Germany for a month where I just went around the mountain cycling and having fun. But when I came back, like another guy had actually ended up taking on all of the responsibilities that I'd been doing and actually done it really well. So he became my business partner and everything just became really easy and perfect after that. And so, yeah, it ended up being okay by getting other people on board and um, having less stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So it sounds like through all of these experiences, you have this like super healthy growth mindset, which is great because you've got a podcast called that. Um, yes. <laughs> but, but, and, and you kind of make sense of these challenges. But do you, because I know that I can, I can get something but still be challenged on it or be challenged on a new thing, right? There's new oh, yeah, all the time that, that we're facing, right? Um, what's the hardest thing at the moment for you? What's the biggest challenge that you face at the moment? I guess... As in terms of like when you learn things and then you think like, oh, okay, I've really nailed this, but then actually you still have the exact same problem again and something different. And so like I started my podcast a few years ago, so I was really bad at speaking and that was something from my dyslexia as a child. Like I'd, I'd just been taught that I was bad at speaking and like I couldn't do it at all. And so it was a really cool thing to try and overcome. 
and deal with. So, but I didn't go about it perfectly, but I learned as I was going along. And, um, and then I thought this year I'd try and do the same thing with writing because that was another thing that I'd been told that I was really bad at and I could never do. And, um, but with the podcast, I had other people sort of around and helping and like a bit more of a flow on it. Whereas the writing, it was just a very self, like just me going and writing by myself. Yeah. And I kind of spent six months writing lots of interesting stuff but never quite finishing it and things. So I, I think I sent you one post that I, it, then, it took me like another six months. I, I have now finished that post. It's quite have good. You? It was so good. <laughs> so promising. Yeah. But I've, I've written so much stuff where I just started ideas and never quite finished them and just having too many things in my brain. And so it was really interesting to like observe myself and just see how much stuff I start without finishing and, and go wrong, but without having the limitations of someone forcing me to execute on it and stuff. So it was quite... You think, was any of it fear months. though? Was any of it hidden fear? About like, if you finish it, you've got to put it out. And it's like... Possible. I think it was more perfectionism maybe of like, it's not quite perfect. And, or like, you know how it got slightly confusing when I was talking about different rapes and things earlier in this podcast. As in a lot of my posts got to the point where I've, I've added too many different interesting things in, but you're yeah. not quite sure which one was the point that we, what I was talking about. Right, right, right. <laughs> writing ended up like that and being like a shit. I don't even know how to get out of this hole I've dug myself into. And move on to the next one. Yeah. I want to get to be perfect. Like, oh crap. I've got this other really interesting thing to talk about. And so it was, sort of stressful watching myself just dig myself into like a million holes that I wasn't quite getting out of. And, um, yeah, so I have certainly learned challenging better at, yeah, trying to take on these challenges and realize that some of my dyslexia is from perhaps just indecision and having too many ideas all at once. And certainly when I was younger, it was like trying to talk to people was like not knowing what to say back. So there was too many things in my, my head trying to get into like my speech and not knowing which one to even choose and just being like, crap, I can't do it. And I just, I'd say like a few words and I just wouldn't be able to finish off a sentence. And so, yeah, it was really interesting. I'm not sure I fully answered your question, but. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, no, I, I completely get it. Now, do you have any habits or practices that you go through in order to continue to develop your growth mindset? Yes. I, so like I said about trying to just embrace the things that scare me. Um, so like I mentioned, like I've run the podcast, even though I used to be terrible at talking and I've been doing writing. And so I mentioned about um, comedy. So that's something I'm going to start doing. Cause like a few years ago, I remember someone telling me they were going to do a stand-up comedy gigs. And um, I was just like, wow. It was sort of like looking at an alien doing something that, you know, you could never actually do just be like, wow, that, that's insane. Whereas now I'm like, oh, that's really scary. I'll go and do it. So I've definitely got better at forcing myself to do things that scare me. Or when people ask me about stuff on the podcasts and like, I'll bring up the thing that I don't want to talk about. And that's coming up as like the, I've got two options. I can talk about the safe thing or I can talk about this really scary personal thing that like, I haven't even heard other people talk about. I'm like, oh shit, I'll go for the personal scary thing. And then it makes the conversation really interesting. And it's so cool to talk about this kind of stuff and actually gets you more closure. Like, you know, I've never actually spoken that much about 
how it affected me sexually being abused as a 16 year old. And like, actually that's probably something useful for me to think about and bring up with someone rather than just holding it within myself. Cause that doesn't really get me very far. So I've definitely really got good at embracing scary things. And then recently I've started doing a um, thing called skill breaks as part of a growth mindset attitude of, because people that have smoking breaks and things, they get to go and chill out for five minutes in the middle of the day and working out. It's like, I want a break and just go and do something different, but I want to have a reason to be doing it. And so I started deciding that I was just going to do something for 10 minutes that would be kind of creative. So I picked juggling and then after a month I was able to start juggling, but it was enough to get you through the barrier of just being really shit at it. So if you pick up some juggling balls, you'll just drop them for 30 seconds and be like, well, maybe I'm not going to bother. If you just force yourself to do it for 10 minutes, you'll be really bad for a few weeks and then eventually you'll start being okay and you can keep on doing it for like months and months and start learning tricks and just keep on getting better and better. Or you can just pick a new skill that you wanted to be good at, like playing guitar or anything. And you can, you realize that any skill that sounds really difficult, you can just take on and become like, not necessarily an expert at, but you can break the barrier to being able to do it enough to then being able to do it longer. So if I wanted to, I could now practice juggling for an hour. But yeah, when yeah. all you've got balls, you're never going to do that. And the same as if you can't play anything on guitar, you can't go and practice for, a guitar, for an hour. But if you do it for 10 minutes a day for a month, you can play most basic chords and suddenly you can practice for longer and take it on to be like a proper level skill and say, hey, I'm going to become really good at this. So it's just like a really nice little hack that I've decided that I'm always going to spend 10 minutes a day learning some kind of cool skill that I've always wanted to do that is just in this growth. Because it's so practical, but it's yeah. not only about the juggling or the guitar, it's about setting your mindset up for uh, experiencing the big things in a different way, realizing, like uh, teaching yourself that you can learn anything. Um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's a great right. way to, to force yourself to realize that actually you can learn anything if you just put in some time and persistence and you just realize that anything yeah. out there that you thought you couldn't do is possible. And it's a really good way to teach yourself that if you, if you hear people saying growth mindset and you're just a bit like, well, yeah, sure, I could do anything, but like how? Like just do it for 10 minutes a day for a month and you'll be like, oh, wow, I really can learn this thing if I want to. And it will prove to you that you can do it. I love that. I used to think I would never, ever, ever be able to speak on stage. And now I'm like being flied out, to, flown, flown out to places to speak at massive conferences and industries that I'm unfamiliar with. And I'm going, oh, this is exciting. It's so good. Um, before I ask my, my final question, where can people find you? Where can they find the podcast and if they want to connect to you? Yeah. So on the podcast, it's Growth Mindset Podcast. So that's on iTunes. And then the website is growthmindsetpodcast.com. Um, I also have my blog that we lightly touched on at samwebsterharris.com. And you can send me an email on there. I've started an email newsletter where I'm being a bit ironic. And initially, I'm just sending people like a series of how to get email out of their lives and like become good at it and just stop it being such a problem for you because I hate email and getting so much shit and trying to deal with it and having it take over my life. So I'm trying to help oh, people I not have that. that. <laughs> yeah. Cause I basically decided that I could never send people email if it's just adding to their list of problems, which email is essentially just a list of problems that you don't need to want to deal with and make your life worse. So I was like, I could never be sending people a newsletter, but I realized that this was a fixed mindset problem 
that actually I could be sending people newsletters if I made their email inbox a source of joy that they only dealt with for like 20 minutes a day and was really useful to their life. And I could send them something that made their lives even better. So I kind of... Outside the box, even on email. Exactly. So I, I found a way to get out of my problems and start helping other people. So yeah, that was cool. I like it. I'm going to sign up to that. My emails are driving me crazy. Um, they're, they're, they're not always bad emails. They're sales and they're great, but they just yes. take time. And I don't, I have, find it hard to compartmentalize and just be like 20 minutes for emails. I'm like working on this project and then emails and then emails, you know, yeah, so yeah. I need, yeah. Some, I need some wisdom. I need some wisdom. So finally, what are, what's the, what's the big dream? Where are you heading? Where are we going to see Sam? Like, I don't know, five, 10 years from now, what's the big dream? Where are you heading? So my big dream was more become like a billionaire, like when I was having ideas and things, I'll be honest, and, um, and then save the world. And now I, like I guess I'm not so bothered about the billionaire part. I'm just more bothered about the save the world. Like why do I need to get so rich and spend like 10, 20 years being a dick, earning money to then save the world. do something with it? So I'm more interested in building tech for good and just doing things that help people instantly. And if I can, like, I'm not too worried about money anymore. I've already earned quite a lot and I don't really need lots more right now. So I'm kind of quite confident that I'll earn some at some point and it's life will be fine, which is a nice place to be. And so I'm more focusing on trying to do things that will be really changing. So I'm kind of focusing on climate change for the next year or so so i'm trying to do a ted on it and putting together a bunch of um like white papers on like how people can think about climate change and so i really want to actually have an impact on what's going on with that because as in essentially society and everything is just causing all the problems and how we think is the root of all our actions that are causing the problems so if we can think differently then we'll stop having a problem and I, like I kind that. of yeah, trying to solve that because as in if every time you did something slightly bad you instead were like shit i've got to deal with this right now and like you did something super good like there wouldn't be a problem and yeah trying to actually think logically about it is where we're going wrong at the moment so my aim is to like, solve that completely so solve the issue of how we think because that will solve the issue of what we do, the issue of what we do. Um, I love that so much. We'll add all the links into the show notes. Thank you so much for being on the podcast, Sam. I'm sure we'll be on each other's podcasts again at some point. I'd love to hear more from you. And of course, we'll stay in touch. Thanks so much. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks for listening to the Adversity to Advantage podcast. Please do subscribe and review on iTunes. Every comment makes a difference. We really appreciate hearing from you. And please do get in touch through PetraBelzebor.com if you're interested in any training, coaching, therapy, or just to join the community and get more information on ways that you can build your own resilience. Until next time.